Let's go in-depth on Iowa State with the Des Moines Register. It's time, it's time for Cyclone Insider on 1460 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Travis Hines, Randy Peterson here to talk all things Iowa State athletics, but mostly Iowa State football and the disappointing out. Offensive performance Saturday night in a 10 to 9 loss to Kansas State that dropped Iowa State to 0 and 3 in the Big 12. Three straight losses after the 3 and 0 start. And Randy, I think we should probably just dive right in here. There's lots to talk about with this Iowa State team, whether you know people got over their skis, us included, and, and uh, thinking that what this team maybe could achieve after that 3 and 0 start. But I think the the bigger issue right now is an offense that is stuck in neutral or reverse. What are your thoughts on what's wrong with this offense and maybe some of the potential fixes? Yeah, let's, what's wrong with this offense is, is an inability to adequately replace the four guys, four skill position guys from last year's team that are now on NFL rosters. Um, and anybody that thought that was going to be plug and pl- automatic plug and play somehow forgot that this is Iowa State, and that's nothing against Iowa State. This isn't Nebraska. This isn't Clemson. This isn't Ohio State. This isn't Georgia. Um, this is Iowa State. Iowa State gets nice players, but they can't just immediately substitute one in one for the other. Complicating that was the fact that that um, Jairal Brock has been hurt. I, I, I really don't know. He gained 100 yards in each of his, I believe, first three games. Um, and that was nice. But but I'm not certain he'll even be healthy the rest of the year. It, it's, it's, it's two games in a row where essentially I think it's been the same injury. And I may be wrong on that, but I think it's essentially the, been the same injury. They're, they're, they're reluctant to give the tight ends any – any any um, significant um, attention, and they see them in practice, and we don't, so they know what's going on there. And we see the offensive line, and despite the fact that you know we hear that the the offensive line plays well, um, I I still question whether how well the offensive line is playing. And and oh by the way, we're, they're doing it with a first year starting quarterback who's now six who's now six games into into his starting career i think there's there's um i think it's it's time to to say learning on the job to stop saying learning on the job in the in in all that respect but but uh yeah play calling has been has been questionable but i'm not certain play calling has changed a lot from a year ago when i was at head breeze hall and brock purdy and charlie kohler and chase allen um except for the fact that tight ends aren't getting aren't getting the balls so i think i was needs to make some kind of a change somewhere um, and um, assistant coaches get paid a lot of money. I'll you know, leave that up to them to figure it out. But uh, um, I think it's safe to assume that Iowa State will have zero rushing attack this year. Yeah, I mean, I think offensively, Jirel Brock getting hurt is a huge piece of this that we probably should not underrate. But, you know, we talked about it after the game on Saturday, Randy, you know, for all – Anyone that listened to that, or if you want to go back and listen to it, you can wherever you listen to your podcasts. All these Cyclone insiders end up there. 
I don't know that losing a guy that is a good running back, but not maybe does not seem to be of the Brees Hall, David Montgomery uh, level caliber of a, you know, a high round NFL draft pick, at least at this point, losing that guy should not totally derail your offense. You know, I think Deion Silas and Eli Sanders have shown enough, you know, obviously Cartavius Norton has not really been available, but I don't, I don't know that you can pin one touchdown in two games on a unavailable running back at this point. To me, the, the question is with Iowa State's offense, you know, I don't, they're certainly not playing the three tight ends like they used to, but they're playing two tight ends a lot. And when your two tight ends are not Charlie Kolar and Chase Allen, is that a great idea? I mean, I think Easton Dean and Deshaun Hanika and Jared Russ are all useful players and good players, but I, I don't know that they're giving you enough in the passing game to and they're in, they're in pass they're in pass protection anyway when they're in there essentially. Well, yeah, I don't know that they're giving you enough in the passing game to justify having them on the field, especially when they're not, when the running game when you have them in as extra blockers in the running game, that's not getting you anywhere either. Right. Do you need to have more wide receivers on the field and not have those heavy looks that were kind of a zig when everyone was zagging? And now that that level of physicality and matched with not a again high level, you know, two guys that are on NFL rosters right now and Kohler and Allen, when you don't have those two guys, like are you getting enough out of those positions to justify having them on the field as much as Iowa State does? Especially when your offense isn't rolling like you would like it to if you're Tom Manning or Matt Campbell. And I think that is maybe where the discussion needs to happen about, you know, are they putting the team in the best position to have success offensively with, you know, as Campbell would say, players formation plays. I think that's worth questioning given the fact that that offense just has not been effective at all for two games and has struggled at times, you know, even going back to the Baylor game and then the Iowa game as well. Yeah, and so then what's the fix? Because um, it's they're not going to if they stick to the same to the same um, strategy. It's it's. I mean, I, it, I I'm certain it's not going to get a whole lot greater results. Um, but so what's the fix? Do you throw more long passes? Which yeah, and you mentioned put more receivers on the field. That's all well and good. I agree with you 100%. As long as you don't get get bad formation penalty calls, but um, I agree with you. And and Jalen Noel and Xavier Hutchinson and Demetri Stanley are as good a as good a deep receivers as you'll see in the Big Twelve. They're good. They're they're exceptionally good. They need to be with the offense, what's the line the way or with the, the the running game the way it is now, yeah, they need to be the targets of of every play, the focus of every play for Iowa State. Um, because they're obviously not going to throw the linebackers under coverage, which would loosen up coverage for the receivers and the in the deep receivers. They're not gonna do that. They haven't done it yet. Why would they do it now? So 
they're going to have to send as many of those flood the, the field 20 yards down, 25 yards down, 30 yards down, flood those areas with as many receivers as you can and, and keep your, you know, keep your fingers crossed that the offensive line can hold for Hunter Deckers long enough that one of those receivers breaks open. Um, I think, I think that's the only, the only thing they can do. I mean, it's, 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 it's a lost cause. I think the rushing game, at least with, with Jirel being injured. And like you said, yes, it's, it's unfair to put all that pressure, all that to, to blame that just on one person. But I think, I think it, the, the strategy needs, needs to change um, because what's working or what they, what's worked in the past isn't working. And how much of the dynamics of our conversation right now would have changed if, if Hunter Deckers and Xavier Hutchinson would have connected on that pass from the 49, from the K-State 49 yard line, the fourth down pass in the, in the, in the fourth quarter, the, at the K-State 49 yard line, that the, what could have been a completion at K-State's 33 yard line with two and a half minutes to go. I mean, yeah, it would have been a great catch. We've seen, we've seen X make great catches before. I mean, this one, he, he had to keep, he had to concentrate on keeping a toe inbounds while also possessing the ball before he hit the ground. It's a great throw. It had been a, a greater catch. It didn't come up with it. Fourth down, game over. If they come up with that, I don't know, you know, we could be talking about the um, a great a great walk-off field goal by by Jace Gilbert or 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 something like that. So it's 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 stuff like that that needs to happen. The great it's now to the point where Iowa State needs to make great great plays great, great offensive decisions in order to move the football. And right now we've not seen that. You're listening to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Travis Hines and Randy Peterson talking about Iowa State's anemic offense after Saturday's 10-9 loss to the Kansas State Wildcats. Iowa State has Texas coming this weekend in Austin. A Texas team that just put 49 nothing on Oklahoma. Um, it certainly seemed like Randy. I, I wonder, you know, Iowa State wants to play close games. That, that's part of the blueprint. And so in my mind, I give them less credit for being close in games, like losing these three games all by one score is evidence to suggest that Iowa State's not far off, that they're not leagues behind. Their Big 12 competition. <clears throat> this isn't 2016. You know, this is the Iowa State football program is undoubtedly in a better spot uh, than the last time they lost three games in a row. But also, if your plan is to play close games, you have to be good at winning close games. You have to win a lot more than you lose if you want that to be your, you know, your MO of how you play football games. And that, that's why, to me, sure, they're close. But I don't know that you get half credit for that when that's the plan. And if that's the plan, you got to win games. And I think that's why I I do think that what this offense is doing right now is a little bit more problematic because they're just not dynamic enough right now. They're, and they can't be overly physical enough. The, you know, the rest of the league has kind of you know matched their physicality that I think set them apart early on or over the last few years. So 
it'll be interesting to see what kind of adjustments Tom Manning and Matt Campbell make. And I mean, I know, you know, Tom Manning's name is one that's going to be talked a lot about this week. Um, and, you know, understandably so with what's going on with Iowa state's offense, but the, that is a knee jerk reaction. I think to a, any calls for a change at offensive coordinator are a knee jerk reaction to a three game sample size of what has been a pretty productive offense over the last four or five years. And again, I think there are changes that need to be made to what they're doing, but not only do I think it's a knee jerk reaction to throw Tom Manning's name around and his job around, but it's also like, remember Matt Campbell didn't hire an offensive coordinator for a year to keep the seat warm for Tom Manning when he went to the Colts. So discussions of that, I think are probably a unfair and b a waste of time. Yeah, and and it's interesting that the offensive coordinator, and I guess I get it, always always gets gets thrown under the bus. I mean, we're not we're not the only Tom Manning's not the only one certainly, and not the only one in this state, obviously. Um, but Greg Schiano just fired his um, offensive coordinator at at Rutgers, for example. I think was it last year that Nebraska changed offensive coordinators during during the season, or at least changed, made some kind of major coaching changes during the season. But is Tom Manning the problem? No, not at all. Um, you know, like you said, it's a three-game sample size. Um, I, I, now, do, do they need to make changes in the, in the schemes? Like you, like you said, yeah. And if that includes, dude, recruiting better players, recruiting better linemen, maybe, I don't know. I think we, I think we maybe overestimated the, um, or at least I did, the um, the talent among the, in the depth at running back. Maybe, for example, I think we uh, the, the I was the the line has rotated. You know, they thought they've thrown Zach Ross in and they threw Jake Rinsberg in, and that's about it in the offensive line. I don't think that's nearly as deep as it, as it has been in the past. And like you said, Jirel after the – and then you said too, made reference to something Jirel said after the game is that it starts with being physical, and I would say it's not physical enough. You're listening to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNL. When we return, we will switch gears and talk a little bit Iowa State men's basketball after some unfortunate news for T.J. Otzelberger's program. When we come back on the Cyclone Insider – Radio Hour. Everything you need to know about Iowa State. It's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Spent the first segment of the show talking Iowa State football's offense or lack thereof. If you miss any of that discussion, be sure to check us out wherever it is you listen to your podcast. Now we're going to switch gears and talk a little bit Iowa State men's basketball. Uh, they got some rough news last week with the Achilles injury to presumed starting quarterback, starting quarterback, starting point guard, Jeremiah Williams, a transfer from Temple, who will miss the entirety of the season. Randy, that, that's really tough news for an Iowa State program um, that was going to rely on Williams in a big way to play point guard. And then now instead we'll likely turn to two freshmen in Eli King and Taman Lipsy uh, for the job. 
tough blow. I think those freshmen, they're obviously high on, but they brought in, you know, an experienced transfer transfer from Temple and Jeremiah Williams to run the show. And now they're going to have to, for the second year in a row, turn it over to a freshman. Yeah. And last year, Iowa State, you know, yeah. Um, Iowa State got, got great play from a true freshman point guard. That doesn't happen all the time. Um, Tyrese Hunter, that does not happen all the time. Monte was not great his, his freshman year. Monte had a great mentor who helped him along, who gave him tough love during practice. Um, Hunter had a, had a pretty darn good mentor also in, in um, Isaiah Brockington. Granted, Brockington wasn't a point guard, but Brockington helped and helped take um, Hunter under his wings. I don't know whether Taman Lipsy has that right now because Taman Lipsy was fully planning on on Tyrese Hunter being his mentor, and obviously that's not happening. So that's a, that's asking a, a, a huge, a lot for true freshman true freshman to be running the point. And granted, Iowa State has has anybody can run the point for Iowa State, and I don't mean that. Anybody, but I mean, all five, all four positions can run the, can run the point. So it's interchangeable, but nonetheless, you need, it's a, it's, it's a tough deal. And and it's not like the, the big 12 is, is going to be down this year. It's going to be bad. Heck, Kansas could win the national championship. Um, Or I talked to somebody today and changed that sentence and said, Kansas and Illinois will play in the NCAA championship to which I said, okay, fine. But um, yeah, it's it's a, if you're a true freshman playing basketball in the Big Twelve, it's 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 a it's tough. The on-the-job training, which we talked about in the first segment, um, is is real tough. Yeah, and I think you know that's the biggest thing that this move does, or this move, this injury does, is that everybody's got to move up on the depth chart. And guys that you wanted to bring along slowly, and Taman Lipsy and Eli King, not even slowly, but just in a, a smaller role, are now thrust into what? Maybe the most important position on the floor for Iowa State. And that, that's where things get difficult. Or if you can't or don't want to give them, you know, the 30 or 35 minutes of point guard play between two freshmen – okay, then what do you do? Do you put Gabe Kalsher on the ball? Do you put Jaron Holmes on the ball? I think those guys could do it, but you're probably taking them away from their better, more natural positions. And if you do that, then who fills their spots? I mean, just the trickle down here is considerable because that position is so specialized and the guys who will now have to fill it are either totally unproven or that's just not their natural position it just is going to throw that offense and that rotation out of whack. And given what we're expecting from this Iowa state team offensively, which is not much to take a step back there is really going to hurt them. In my opinion. I mean, we haven't seen this team play, so I'm obviously just speculating because it's a whole new roster, but given what we've seen, you know, I, I did not have high expectations for this team's offense and now they're even lower and I think they're going to have to play slower, more methodical, because when you don't have an experienced point guard, playing fast makes things even harder on them, especially if you're talking about a freshman. And again, I think they really like Lipsy and King, but 
but this is just a big spot. And Randy, you, you talked about it and TJ talked about it at length last year about how rare it is for freshmen to play in the big 12, let alone freshman point guards. So, and Tyrese Hunter was a top 50 recruit. Taman Lipsy and Eli King are not top 50 recruits, which would suggest not guarantee suggest that they're less prepared to play immediately than Tyrese Hunter was a year ago. And I think that's just, again, what makes this difficult for Iowa state is they're going to be asking a lot of young players, or they're going to be asking a lot of veterans playing out of position. Let me throw a silver lining into this. Um, it's not like they've had Jeremiah Williams practicing a whole lot since June. So Lipsy and, and the two fre- the, the two two freshmen, they've been working at the point for most of the offseason workouts. So it's not like this is this is catching them just before on the first day of practice, which was what two weeks ago. It's not. They've had time there. They've got to know the 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 their teammates. So maybe that's maybe that's a benefit is that um, they'd already been working there. And and I don't know. It, it's it seems like there 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 might be already starting to build their chemistry with the teammates. But nonetheless, and, and let me let me say this. Also, they've in practice. There's plenty of opportunities for them there have been plenty of opportunities for them to play against a defense that's that we probably expect to be very good again. I'm assuming, I mean, Gabe Kalsher, it will, he's probably give, given the two freshmen a pretty good, a pretty good dose of, of what they could face during the big 12 season. I mean, as far as the physicality is concerned, at least I hope he has. So yeah, and like um, Randy, you're right. And like to be clear, like Jeremiah Williams has barely practiced at Iowa State. Yeah. He missed, I think, almost if not the entire summer with multiple shoulder injuries. Had just really gotten back on the floor recently, and then tears his Achilles. So it's a huge blow for Iowa State, and certainly terrible news for that young man. But it's not necessarily going to change what Iowa State had already been practicing because he had been unavailable. Yeah. So I mean, I, I I don't I don't think it's 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 a travesty. I don't. But um, I guess I guess we'll just have to see. And if we just hope that Jeremiah comes goes through all the rehab and everything goes goes well um, that he that he does get back. But uh, it, it's, I think, like you said, this is certainly going to, and I've not thought of this, but it's certainly going to potentially slow down, slow down the, the, the tempo. And last year, the tempo wasn't exactly um, blazing anyway. Um, but I kind of like, I got kind of got to enjoy the defense. I, I saw Iowa State team play defense for first time in maybe ever, which was, I finally got into. So and I think that's certainly going to have to be the case. Um, Again, this year moving forward with the the two freshmen running the show, and plus, let's face it, we still not we still don't know, and it still needs to be proven that Iowa State can can hit three point shots consistently, which is part of um, playing with tempo. Also, hitting the three pointers in transition instead of running instead of running offense. So, um, I guess we'll see. Like, what when's their first game? Another month, I think, probably something along those lines. So. Um, it's going to be an interesting, interesting month, or however much, however much remains of, of practice, to see how how TJ and the staff 
um, negotiate, negotiate that. And just, I guess you keep your fingers crossed that they don't get any more injuries. Yeah. We'll hear from the Iowa state men this week when they host their media day on Wednesday, lots of questions about point guard, lots of questions about three point shooting and lots of questions about expectations after last year's wholly surprising sweet 16 season after the two and 22 turnaround. Um, it'll be interesting to hear uh, the Cyclones perspective on all of those things. And we'll be able to give you all of that on Des Moines register.com. In addition to this week's coverage of the Iowa state football program, as they get ready to head to Austin to take on the surging Longhorns, but that'll do it for us today on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. For Randy Peterson, I'm Travis Hines. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.